Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Some memories, right? <clears throat> so we're talking about, uh, we're starting this new series called Bless This Home. And I'm sure a lot of you guys wish you had that theme song. It's like a war in your house. And you guys want to be ready for it. Um, so uh, I'm excited to be sharing with you guys and starting this new series today. And um, it dawned on me as I was preparing for this that... Um, it's exactly been three and a half years um, since I moved out here and started coming to Northgate and was a part of the staff here. And uh, some of the crazy things that have happened in the last three and a half years that I never would have dreamed of. And uh, so I want to share some of you guys with some of you, um, just some of those things. You know, three and a half years ago, <clears throat> I lived in Arizona and was coming out here and uh, started to do a little bit of California dreaming. And um, specifically because I was in Arizona and I wanted some place to be cooler, um, but I didn't know it was going to be cold here. (laughs) I came here like the perfect time of the year and it was green and nice and you guys tricked me. (laughs) So um, we uh, made this decision and never would have dreamed to see the things that we have seen in the last three and a half years here in this community and at this church and um, just a blessing to be a part of it. And I want to share some of that with you guys because I want you guys to know that you're really a part of something special that's happening um, right now. You know, when I first came out here, I'd, I had to commute, and I left um, our, our, our son, who we had just adopted internationally. Uh, we, I'd only been with him for two months and then moved over here and started to commute back and forth, and the rest of the family joined us in the summertime and never would imagine the ride that God would have taken us on. And uh, to share with you guys some statistics that are really sad, but at the same time, really exciting, um, I want to start with this one. For you guys to know, if you didn't already, that churches in America are experiencing like a rapid decline. Last year, over 3,500 churches closed their doors. Sad, yeah. This year, it's estimated that 7,000 churches uh, might be closing their doors this next year. That we're, churches in America are just experiencing this huge decline. Only 15% of churches in America are even growing. Half of all churches didn't add a single member through uh, conver- uh, conversion. Uh, so this last year, over half of churches didn't even add a single person. Only 21% of Americans actually even go to church. Like 80% of Americans say, I'm a Christian. Uh, if you asked them if they had to pick something, they'd be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. But only 21% of people actually attend a church on Sundays on somewhat of a regular basis. More than one in four congregations have fewer than 50 people in the pews. And 80% of churches are declining each and every year. And when we first came out here, um, I would have never imagined um, that I was a part of that 80%. Uh, To give you guys some numbers, as I've looked back, my first July here in 2010, since we just finished July, just comparing month, um, year over year, we averaged 383 people, including all of the people that were here. I mean, we counted everything. <laughs> we thought you were a person, you got counted. <clears throat> and uh, I never would imagine, unfortunately, the next year we were part of that declining group. In 2011, our average went from 383 to 343 the following year. Uh, for the average of the month. But then something happened that I would have never dreamed of, and God started moving, and things began to change about a year and a half ago. And in 2012, 
we saw our average in July of 424, so we grew almost 100 people in a year over year on an average. But the thing I would have never dreamed of is this July that just happened, like two days ago, no, four days ago. Um, we averaged 557 people in a summer. Yeah. I would have never dreamed that when I came out here, I would have been a part of a church that was the 15%. And I want you guys to understand that you're really part of something that's special. I would have never dreamed that we would have been a part of a growing church that the average from last year has grown over 133 people. Most churches in America don't even have 133 people part of their church. Their entire length span of the history of their church through this crazy idea and God's enormous blessing on 100 pennies or a dollar. 20 months ago, we came here with this idea of what if we just did our part and let God do what he does and go crazy, and we gave a dollar. And over the last 20 months, we've been doing the Dollar Club for 20 months, we've seen and we've been able to help 93 families with $45,316. So... That's like, if that's not changing the way people view the church, I don't know what it is. Uh, and, and just to give you some retrospect and kind of testimony to where we were and where we are now, I looked back from the year 2000 to the year 2011 when we started the Dollar Club. We started the Dollar Club in December of 2011. So 11 years, 11 months, I took and said, how, many, how much money did we give back to the community and to people and those who were hurting and in need? And I looked and we gave $11,000 in those 11 years, 11 months, which is great because we're like, we're doing it. We're helping those who are in need. We're doing the best we can. But to see what God's done, I would have never imagined that in the last 20 months, we would have gone from $11,000 in 11 months, in 11 years and 11 days, to 20 months and forty-five or $45,000 to those in need. I would have never imagined that just this last year, I would have seen 428 new people come through Northgate for the first time. Uh, I think most everyone just wanted the cup. They might have been lying. (laughs) I would have never imagined that when I came here, I saw an average of 32 kids birth through fifth grade on a weekend here, and an average weekend attendance to now just this last year of 112 on a weekend service. I would have never imagined that in the last three and a half years that I came here, that we would have um, sponsored over 300 orphans in various countries, giving them food, water, school, clothes. Uh, I never would imagine that just a year ago, actually, this Sunday, we were coming back with a group of 18 people that we took over to Africa, five of whom were students. I would have never imagined that just in the last three years that we raised over $90,000, drilled eight wells, in three years, providing clean, safe water for over 100,000 people, mostly kids. I would have never imagined the events that Northgate's gotten to put on just this last 12 months. Just this last 12 months, Northgate's put on community events and been a part of community events that we've participated in, that we've touched and seen over 10,000 people. I never would have imagined that almost 100 people have been baptized in the last year and a half, and the year before that, in 2011, we baptized 11. I would have never imagined the countless meals that we've taken care of for Thanksgiving and Christmas time, families. It simply has been, friends, amazing, and I really still am California dreaming. 
And I hope you guys are too, and it's important for us to recognize and celebrate and see this stuff. Last week, there was a column in CNN, <clears throat> and uh, with a, in the CNN Belief blog, it was titled, Why Millennials Are Leaving the Church, and it went viral. Some of you may have seen it on Facebook or on some sort of social media feed or even the news. It went viral particularly because the words millennial, leaving, and church were in the title, <laughs> so it suddenly drew more attention. Speaking on the behalf of millennials, stop talking about the millennials. <clears throat> And this was the key phrase that uh, really stood out to everybody. It says this. It says, we're not leaving the church because we don't find the cool factor there. We're leaving the church because we don't find Jesus there. So I have to tell you, I think we're pretty cool. <laughs> Usually cool people think that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, no. uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, all those things that I just shared with you, I'm just excited and thankful because I feel like Jesus is here. And that were attractional people. And I would have never dreamed in the last three and a half years that I would have been a part of and still continue to be a part of and serving alongside of, humbly alongside of so many people in the church like that. So this week we're talking about bless this home. So what's this home? This home could be like your house. This home could be this house. Um, you might be saying, hey, I don't have kids. Uh, it doesn't matter. You guys could be couples. You could be homes that you know of. And today we're specifically talking about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. It's one of the Beatitudes. How many of you guys with a show of hands would like your homes to be blessed? Okay, there's a lot of you didn't raise your hands. I'm assuming you don't want your home to be cursed. Uh, so let's try it again. How many of you guys would like your homes to be blessed? Yeah, all right, good. <laughs> um, a lot of you guys, I think, feel that way because you have signs above your fireplace that says, bless this home. <laughs> or like... Out front, in the front, you're letting everybody know, God blesses this place. Um, <clears throat> and so when we think about it, though, culturally, if we look around, we're like, hey, when you look at families around, and even in this community here, is the, I don't think the first thing that comes to many of our minds is like, wow, they are really blessed. God is really blessing them. We don't think that. A lot of times we look at them and be like, they are struggling. How can I help my friends, my neighbors, and these people, and myself? Yes, I do not feel blessed. I feel like I'm struggling. We have a huge group of blended families now we never used to have. You have your kids, you have her kids, you have our kids. <laughs> you have my grandkids again, which are now my kids. It's different. It's changed. How do we bless this home? We have an epidemic of single parents out there. And it's not because we had a huge crisis or epidemic that was killing off the dads. We've had a different kind of epidemic in this culture today. And so we're seeing homes and families completely change. And uh, I'm going to share with you guys over the next two weeks some like really transparent, intimate wisdom, no, <laughs> moments about my family. You know, I'm a, I, my, my wife, we're perfect. And uh, <laughs> we have our minivan, our three little kids, and you know, we always go to church. Our kids misbehave, we break out in song, and <laughs> good thing we have amazing grace. Yeah, that's totally us. No, uh, <laughs> I'm going to share with you guys, we are not perfect. At times, my kids aren't even good. <laughs> um, you know, just to show you, because you guys might be like, oh, it's the pastor's kids. Sure, you have all these things to say. Um, it's not unsolicited advice. So I'll tell you what, you want the most unsolicited advice to have kids. You're going to get a lot. Or be overweight, and I'm both, so I've got a lot of advice for you. (laughs) 
and I'm going to solicit it. Um, So my family is not perfect. In fact, just yesterday I laughed. I was like, this is perfect for this. My wife was in the store with our kids doing some shopping, and our son, who's obnoxious, but he's four, so it's cool, um, he was just being a kid. He was playing with his Lego superhero. He was being loud um, because he doesn't know how to not to be. And so she was walking through the store and said, hey, let's use our inside voice. Someone else, you know, it's just the advice we like to give. Someone else ran from the grocery store and goes, that was a really good teaching moment. And she's like, that was a good thing to say. And she went, oh, yeah, jokingly, you do like, oh, yeah, it must be because I'm a teacher. And she goes, you know what works better? (laughs) It's like one of those moments. No, please, tell me. Um, So she said, if you lean over and whisper it in their ears, you should use your inside voice. And she's like, ah, I want to slap you. (laughs) So our kids are loud and obnoxious. We're not perfect there. And we're not perfect. Another quick little story is my oldest. Um, When when, um, she first was born, we were planting a church in Arizona, and we didn't have money to, like, get her in childcare. So she, like, hung out with me all the time, was around me all the time, was around adult conversation all the time. She just was, like, the tote in the bag. And so um, one time... I said something I probably shouldn't have said around her. And jokingly, I think I said something like, what the hell? (laughs) And so later, my perfect child and our perfect family, we were in the grocery store walking around, and some lady walks by and says, oh, her pigtails are so cute. And she looked at him and said, what the hell? (laughs) So we're not perfect. We're just like you. (laughs) My... My aunt, I told her, she like heard about that. And I told her, I was like, you should hear the other thing she says. She's like, what? I was like, oh, yeah, we put her to bed to like rap music. She loves the beat. It just puts her right to sleep. She's saying all kinds of words. <laughs> she totally believed me for a while. So she called my mom. My mom's calling me. What did you tell your aunt? And I'm like, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Anyways, so bless this song. Not perfect. But I'm going to share to you guys a little bit of life. We're going to talk a lot about the Bible and just... Um, so there's the Beatitudes. It's found in Matthew 5. There's eight characteristics of blessed those who are. And so we've kind of modified that to bless this family, bless this home. And so that's kind of modification. So today we're taking from Matthew 5, 6. And it's just this one line. It's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Matthew 5, 6. So what's our role? Our role is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And God wants to do what? He wants to fill us, right? So what would that look like? What, could you like imagine your family, what it looks like to be filled? Let's use something like the fruits of the Spirit. What would it look like for your family to be filled with love, with joy, with kindness? I know, crazy, right? With peace? Whew, that'd be a nice one, right? I uh, asked on Facebook this week on, uh, on our website, I said, what is your family hunger for? And I got a lot of sleep and... Uh, <laughs> food and some peace and quiet. Um, So you guys have some space there to fill in on your outlines right there. And I left it empty because I want you to fill in with your own. I want you guys to have an honest moment right now and write down what does your family hunger for right now? And I don't want to make it really hard on you. I'm not going to say make you think of like, well, in general and not all the time, but let's just talk about the last seven days. What's the last seven days look like? What has your family hungered for in the last seven days? And if you can't figure that out, just ask your kids. They will tell you. Some of you with integrity right now can write down God. 
You're hungering for God. He's, he's in it, all this stuff. Some of you this week have been hungering, and you hunger for time. You hunger for energy, um, comfort, or fun. You hunger to like have a really fun time. We just want to have fun. We just want to chill and relax. Um, popularity. You hunger for an image, like, hey, the, the house is for training. Um, the world is like the, the playground in which we're at. We, we don't go out unless the kids are good. We want to put on a good image. Like, everyone's all happy. Like, you show up to church, and you're like, look at my happy kids, and they're all dressed up, and look how huge my Bible is, and we're good people. And then it's like the image. You hunger for that. Or to win. We're, like, hungering every weekend to win the eight and under soccer league that doesn't really keep score. And <laughs> but you're hungering to do your best. So what is your family hunger for? Just in the last seven days. So what do we do when we realize that we're hungering for the wrong things? What do we do when we realize that we have um, an appetite for things that don't satisfy us or wouldn't be best for us? When I got married, well, even before I got married, I was like a Mountain Dew freak. Like, I drank Mountain Dew all the time. At our wedding, we offered the drink of choice was Code Red Mountain Dew. That's like, what you got? You get water or Code Red? (laughs) And um, I was like, I'll drink it hot, I'll drink it cold, I'll drink it at night, I'll drink it in the middle of the night. It's like water. There's enough in there to sustain me. Like, I loved the dew. Did the dew all the time. Huge Mountain Dew fan. And then uh, I decided, I need to like try to get a little more healthy and drink something different. And so I did. I like spent like a day without it. No. <laughs> so I did. I, I spent a lot of time. I got healthier. I didn't have that. I had water. I got really into like iced tea and started really enjoying that stuff. And after about four and a half months, I decided I'm going to have a Mountain Dew. I'm going to treat myself to Mountain Dew. And I had this Code Red Mountain Dew, and it was like a Code Red <laughs> in my stomach. Like I just did not feel good. It didn't, wasn't satisfying. I was like upset because I was like thirsting for this Mountain Dew, and it just didn't taste the same. It didn't taste the same because... My appetite had changed. My appetite had changed because things that were better for me made me feel better, was better for me. And I realized that this other stuff, my appetite was wrong. I was hungering for the wrong things. So why don't more hunger and thirst for righteousness? Let's talk first about what doesn't work, and then we'll talk about what does work. You see in your notes right there, the first fill-in right there is, what doesn't work is legalistic Christianity. What does legalistic Christianity look like? It's when we reduce Christianity in our homes to like a bunch of do's and don'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts, oughts and ought nots. This is a rule, do this, don't do that. And if you're a good Christian, you'll always be right. And then the old adage, <clears throat> don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't hang out with boys or girls who do. Right? You guys heard that one? Okay, some of you. <laughs> so, and that's like, what a huge generation just got upset with the church because they're like, legalistic Christianity, I just don't want to hang around with it. You're not going to make me do this stuff. The problem with legalistic Christianity is a lot of times we're missing a relationship. And when we have rules without a relationship, uh, it doesn't work. It leads to rebellion. To give you an example, a really young example, my son Malachi is four, <clears throat> and uh, we uh, got a gift card to Olive Garden. So we went to Olive Garden and had like a nice little family lunch just the other week, and uh, we enjoyed our meal, and we had some leftovers. Malachi had some leftovers and some pasta leftover, and Michelle had a couple pieces of pizza leftover. And we're leaving, and we're walking out, and as we're walking out, 
I see um, some homeless people get up and start walking down. They're pulling their shopping cart. And, like, I think about it, and I've done this a lot of times with myself and especially when Maddie was around me. And I said, hey, Malachi, are you, do you still really want your food? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, buddy, don't, there might be some people where that are hungry. You want to give them your food? No. <laughs> That's my food. He's, I totally get it. And I'm like, well, you should give him your food. I was like, you're not really going to eat that, are you? Yeah? I'm not giving him my food. <laughs> and so I was kind of upset at first. I'm like, no, you should give him your food. I was like, we just had a good little lunch, and, and you're probably not even going to eat it, and you won't even give somebody your scraps. And so like, I started getting kind of frustrated and upset, and my daughter, who is already around me and has, has had a relationship and understands this and walked through this with me, didn't have to. And she's like, Dad, you should really make him give, him, give, uh, give the food away. And I was like, no, it's not my food. It's not my food to do. And so um, we got there, and I was like, I'm not going to give him the giveaway is food just to teach him a lesson because it's a rule because this is what we should do because he wouldn't understand it because he needs to understand through a relationship why I would give this food away. Plus, it would have ruined the whole thing. I would have driven by and like thrown some of my food. Yeah, you like that? They got their food. You eat that. <laughs> eat it right now in front of them. You, they're eating your food, buddy. It would have been bad. Because by then, I had changed too. I was just upset. I'm like, I'm taking away all your toys. You don't even understand. <laughs> Walked outside, looked around my house. It was bad. <clears throat> But that's legalistic Christianity. It was, a, it was a rule without relationship. If I would have followed through and been like, nope, this is what we do. You can deal with it. It would have just been a rule. Like, this is what we do. And so that doesn't work. The next thing that doesn't work is lukewarm Christianity. Lukewarm Christianity. That's when we believe in God, but we live as if he doesn't exist. When we believe in God, but we live as if he doesn't exist. I call it cultural Christianity. Like I said, the culture, like 80% of people say that they're Christian. They believe in God, but they don't live as if he exists. So how do you know? Am I a lukewarm Christian family or not? I can't tell you exactly, but I can give you some ideas, some things to ask yourself. When was the last time that you prayed with your family? Like really prayed, not just was like, God is great, God is good, bless us, or rub-a-dub-dub, food in our belly. I don't know what you guys say. Like just to pray for your food real quick before you throw it down your face. When was the last time you like really prayed as a family? When was the last time you like walked out of a movie because you went to a movie and you're like, man, you want to go? Like, it's only been like 18 seconds and we've already heard like God's name in vain like 15 times in like every book there is out there. When was the last time you did something like that? Or when was the last time you shared a Bible verse, something that stuck up to you or that you were reading and shared it with your kids or your husband or your neighbor? When was the last time you invested in time to serve? When you just served somebody else? Maybe it was your neighbor. Maybe it was somebody in your family. And we, we do things. We, we do acts of service. We don't do chores uh, because it's like a chore. We do an act of service. Like, why do you push away, put away the dishes? Well, it's an act of service because we aren't going to get to eat on clean dishes if you don't put them away. And we can make it fun. Like, that's a way we can serve one another. Mom washes your clothes so I don't have to smell you all the time. <laughs> so don't be lukewarm. Don't be legalistic. Jesus said, hot or cold, not lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out. It's in Revelations. Have fun looking that one up. What does work? What does work is this, and this is going to be your big key takeaway for the next two weeks, is this. We're not just a Christian family. 
We're a Christ-centered home. That's what works. So say this with me. You ready? We're not just a Christian family. We're a we're a Christ-centered home. So what's the difference? A Christian family, God's like a part of it. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, we're Christian. God's like a part of our house. But a Christ-centered home is he's the center of it. That's the big difference. Can your household be a Christ-centered home? Change the way that you think about it, that you're not just a Christian family, but you're a Christ-centered home. Psalms 63.1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. To edit this towards the family, you could say, You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. What do you hunger for? What do you thirst for now in your home? You could say, you car with seat warmers. I seek you. I long for you on cold days to warm my bottom. (laughs) My whole being longs for that drive. What are you putting in that place? You promotion and working 14-hour days for five weeks in a row and saying, it's just a season. It's just three more weeks. I seek you. I long for you. Or Instagram followers or Facebook or how do you thirst? So what can you do? Here's the simple things. You write this down. There's three simple things that you can do to make, to hunger and thirst for righteousness in your home. Help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. Help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. If you do those three things, you're, you won't go very wrong. If you see God as loving, approachable, and involved. You should create an environment where your kids want to have discussions about God, not because they have to do, because it's something that they want to do. And you do that through helping them see God as loving, approachable, and involved through things like praying over ouchies. Like, that's how you start when they're younger. And eventually when they're older, because they've seen it and you've lived it, they're going to come to you when they're older, and they're going to be like, Dad, will you pray with me about this or this situation? Or what am I supposed to do in life? Or where am I supposed to go to school? Or how am I supposed to talk to my friend about this? Or about the way I just talked to my mom? Three ways to create hunger for God in your home. Involve God in your daily conversations. Look how blessed we are. Involve God in your daily conversations. You can do it from like when the sun sets and it's like beautiful. You can be like, wow, look at that beautiful sunset that God created. You can do that with your spouse. Man, God is so good to us. Look at just the beautiful scenery we have. You could do it in the morning when taking kids to school and you're seeing the flowers bloom. And you're like, wow, look at how beautiful the flowers are. God's blessed us with beautiful flowers that smell good. And then there's bees and they make honey and I love honey. Just involve him in your daily conversations. Look at we got to eat at Olive Garden. We got a gift card. God's totally blessed us. Look what we do. It doesn't have to be this long kumbaya moment. <laughs> it can just be short and sweet, like, wow, we're like so blessed. This is great. Number two, make church non-negotiable. You need to be a part of this family and this community. It's not just organized religion. You know, and you're just done with it because there's sinners at church, and we're all hypocrites. Well, good job, Captain Obvious. We are. 
We are. I'm a sinner. But we need to be a part of it. We need to help each other. We need to carry each other. We need to make it non-negotiable for our kids, for your grandkids. Take them. Make them be a part of it. And you know what? Then they're going to start to love it. They're not going to hate it because you took them there. They're not going to go, man, my parents always made me go, and then I just made, I hated church. Well, is it because you did legalistic Christianity and the do's and the don'ts and the rules, or did you make it into a relationship? My kids were gone for a weekend, two weekends ago. They went to their grandparents' house. I was at camp. They missed church. They came back, and they were, like, so excited. They are like, oh, man, we missed our church. We want to stay both services today, <clears throat> which they're usually here both services every week because we're here and we're serving and stuff, and um, they don't always like going to both services. <laughs> but when we missed it, they missed it. They missed dig, and they missed being a part of that. And number three, show how seeking and serving God is fun. Show how seeking and serving God is fun. You can do it in fun little prayer times, like on the way to school. I love praying with my kids on the way to school. Because what else is there to talk about besides just nonsense and being in a panic and a frantic? But just stop and be like, we take turns. Me and Maddie take turns every day. You pray about us and our day and what's going on today, and then tomorrow it's my turn. We pray about goofy and silly things and people, and it's fun. And seeking him is fun. And then she starts turning her prayers into like, I pray, God, that you put somebody in my life today that needs to be loved on. And I give them a hug. Like simple things, but that's what's happening because we're giving space to making seek him and lovable and involved in her life fun. You can also do, uh, here's a fun one. It could be really messy, but popcorn prayers. Pull your family together every once in a while and pop a bunch of popcorn. And the rule is you have to eat popcorn before you pray. You have to sneak a little popcorn in while you're praying, and then you got to eat popcorn when you're done. And your kids are going to want to pray a lot because <laughs> they want more popcorn. But it can be really funny and messy because, you know, you all just have a mouthful, and you're giggling, and it's fun. You're making seeking God fun and talking to him and about your superhero. You're just making up stuff now, like, thanks for the, the pictures on the wall. <laughs> I just wanted popcorn. Um, wouldn't it be crazy if you didn't have to tell your family to be good? Because we're pursuing the one who is good. And say, wow, eh, seems untainable, out of reach. I don't know. I don't know if it is. Joshua twenty four fifteen says, Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We're not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.